here we are. It's the 26th. It's the day after Christmas, and we're about to approach that weird week where it's like not Christmas, it's not New Year's. Maybe you took off, maybe you got to work, maybe you're old enough that you're sick of reflecting, you don't want to think about next year, you just got patterns, maybe you're young enough, and this is the biggest deal of your life. I've got to prepare for the next year, or I'm going to be fat and lazy forever, whatever it is, right? But it's this week, and, and I think that the two strangest weeks for my life typically are this like weird in-between, Christmas is kind of over. When do you take down the decorations? I don't know. What do you, when do you take back stuff you didn't want? I, I don't know, right? You have that weirdness. And then the first week of January is pretty strange too, because it's like the new year. And the, how do you follow the year before? And especially in the, the life we've lived, you know, we've had uh, tornadoes, pandemics and political stuff. And it's like, oh gosh, every year you want to make this a huge deal, but maybe you're kind of done with all of it. It's like, ah, I don't want to deal with it. And, and I think that there's this season of reflection that is much more needed and should be much more disciplined in our life than we ever give it. In fact, I would argue that because we're such rampant Westerners who do whatever we want, we're thwarted with individualism and relativism, we just do whatever we want. And, and who cares? They say, you do you, YOLO, it's all your life. You can live however you want, uh, whatever you say is right for you. So why would you ever need to reflect? You reflect whenever you decide to reflect. We don't have an occasional season of those sort of things. Life just goes on. But I think it's interesting that we just yesterday uh, celebrated that a baby was born, a young Jewish man was born 2,000 years ago, so what? We sing all these songs about it, uh, even Hallmark movies care that Jesus was born, and there's some small shift of like, oh yeah, here's the reason for the season, and then it's like, so what? What do we do now? It's the 26th, We've got a little bit left in this year, and then all of next year, what, what, so what do we do with that? That's what we're talking about this morning. We've got these weird weeks, and I think we need to deal with what do we do with this time. There's a lot of pressure to plan right now, and I'm about to talk about that. I'm about to talk about having a pattern of reflection and reading, right? Um, and I think there's this temptation where some people are like, man, I, I'm above that. I don't need to make New Year's resolutions because that's for the fools who just want to pressure themselves and break it. I'm above that sort of thing. And then some of us are like, man, I've already got like 15 things I got to do next year because I already screwed up this year. And so I got to do next year better. And I think that in both cases, we're so arrogant that we assume that we know what's best and we know what's right. We don't want to open ourselves up to actually reflect on what's true, what's needed. But I want to argue this morning and I want to push really hard. If you sing these songs we've been singing this last month, if you had a nativity set, if you claim to be a Christian, if you believe that God came down as a man and was born, then the so what is now you actually should be reflecting on that. You need to be making some sort of resolution, some sort of pattern of change, because if Jesus is true, then he's true for every people of all times forever. Amen. <laughs> And so if Jesus is true and it's not impacting your life, you're not asking, man, how's next year going to be a closer walk with Jesus than last year? Then maybe you're not a Christian. Sorry to be that harsh. It's just the facts, right? Like if you don't care, then maybe we should quit playing this game and start being honest with each other. Say, man, actually, maybe I don't really believe in Jesus. Maybe I just like religion. Religion makes me feel good. That's not what Jesus has called you to. Jesus has called you to be a disciple and make disciples. And so I want to talk this morning, we're going to talk about two, two words. There'll be other words that are written for sure. But um, the main words are, if you're a note-taking person, by the way, I've actually got like specific things I'm going to say. I would encourage you, uh, maybe write some of these things down. Because here's the thing. Some, uh, uh, this is for free. 
A lot of people joke that the youth minister should preach on this day. The, the Sunday in between or the first Sunday. Usually that's the joke. And, and, you know, I had a degree in youth ministry, so I've heard this joke. Let the youth minister preach because hardly anyone's going to show up to church. It's a throwaway service. No one really cares. And I want to dig in and say, forget that. Like, we're not just going to bring the whoever, the, the third or fourth string message up here, the one that's been at the bottom there. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to drill into this and say, hey, you showed up. You're watching at home. Here's what Pastor David wants you to know. Next year, we're locked into talking about the entire Bible. We're going to be reading through it, right? So every sermon's already planned out for next year. It's locked in. And of course, the Spirit of God can move, and we can preach on something else because the Spirit of God's bigger than me and Adam and Nathan, whoever else. But um, right now, today, you get to hear exactly what I feel like. Man, if I could teach anything to close out this year and to start this next year, this is what you get. This is what we're going with. And it's, it revolves around two words. Reflect and read. Say reflect. Say it like you're here. And read. Fantastic. Right. So we're going to talk about what, why, and how for each of these things. Because otherwise we're just throwing out interesting words. We're going to talk about with reflecting. What are we reflecting on? Why are we reflecting on and how? Right? Same thing with read. What are we reading? Why are we reading it? How are we reading it? Um, we're going to start with talking about reflect on what. I'm going to lay it out very simple. We're going to reflect on Jesus because we just did that, right? We just celebrated Christ came to earth. Why did Christ come? To rescue us from our sin. In fact, he specifically said uh, he came to bring the kingdom, right? When we think about Jesus, we think about Kingdom, right. We taught that. It's a very intense idea. Mark 1.15, Jesus came. This is what he said. The very first thing Jesus taught, the time is fulfilled. It's all happened. Everything you've ever heard about that was going to happen, now it's fulfilled. The whole Bible, that Old Testament stuff, right now it's fulfilled. That's what Jesus is saying. That whole Old Testament thing, here it is, King Jesus. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In short, if you hear nothing else today, reflect on that. This week, read Mark 1.15 a hundred times. I can't do that. Fine, read it 20 times and reflect on it. What does it mean to believe in the gospel? What does it mean to repent because of the gospel? What does it mean to believe that the kingdom of heaven is at hand? What does it mean that it's fulfilled? It's done. Here it is. What do those things mean? Because they didn't just mean something to old Jewish folk. They mean something for you today. They mean something for your 2021 year, 2022, 2023, forever and beyond. The gospel. Let me, all the problems in your life, everything you want to resolute against, everything that you want to do differently, all of it comes down to a gospel problem. If I'm honest, like all my problems with uh, Nikki and I, when we disagree, usually they come out of an insecurity of me not being what I think should be enough. And so it's a pride issue. I think I should be better. I should be better than this. So we get into some sort of argument. That's still a gospel problem. I don't believe God is who he says he's going to be. I don't believe that the gospel is enough for me sometimes. My issue with parenting, my issue with anger, my issue with addictions that I've had, it all comes back to I don't really believe in the gospel. And sometimes we need to be honest with ourselves and say, man, Maybe I don't really believe in the gospel. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Everything that you do as you approach this next year needs to start with the gospel. If the gospel is true, that must be the case, right? Everything you do should come back to the gospel. How is the gospel being uh, the guide for your family, for your job, for your parenting, for the shows you're watching, the hobbies you're doing, for anything? How, how's it guiding your grief, How's it guiding? What is the gospel saying? So uh, we need to take a pause. What is the gospel? 
right? Because we, we could say all the time, some people have just been taught the gospel is that Jesus forgave me for my sins. If the gospel is that small, then we don't need almost all of scripture because it turns out Jesus died just for you so that you can go to heaven. Yay, that's it. Turns out the whole Bible is about a lot bigger thing than that. The gospel is about God. The gospel is about his glory, right? Here's a definition of the gospel that uh, we've worked pretty hard to kind of compile for our church, say this is what we're going to say the gospel is. And of course, the gospel is 66 books of the Bible. So reducing it to one phrase, you know, that gets kind of difficult. But here Here is, in a nutshell, what the gospel is. Although we bring sin and death into the good world God created, the work of Jesus Christ rescues and restores all creation into an eternal right relationship with the Lord, secured by his Holy Spirit, bringing glory to the Lord and ceaseless joy to those who believe, just as he promised through Scripture. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, and you believe in the gospel, then you're seeing his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You're seeing the kingdom of God grow. You're being transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12 says. You're not sitting complacent and not seeing these things. In fact, we mention all the time, prayer, church, and scripture, right? You're growing in your relationship with God through an intentional, intimate conversation with him called prayer. You're praying to the Lord. You're growing through your reading of the scripture to know who he is. What is the gospel? How do I understand that the time is fulfilled, that the kingdom is here? What is the kingdom? How does that, what does that matter, right? Is that, is that our kingdom? Is that President Trump? Is that when uh, Columbus sailed over here? What is this kingdom, right? You're reading scripture to find out what actually the gospel is, right? So you have prayer, you have scripture, and you have church. You have church people, these gatherings so that we worship him, we grow together. You hear me say these things all the time, but I can't emphasize them enough because we're going to forget. In fact, this is kind of just additionally, if you want real practical, if you're a type A person, you're like, give me a list, right? I'm kind of avoiding lists in my life typically because I don't want to see it legalistic and think these are the things. But here's your vague list. If you're a Christian, you believe in the gospel, two things are happening in your life. You are seeing progressive awareness and victory over sin in Christ, and you're seeing increasing fruit of the spirit in your life in Christ. And the reason I say these things right now is not to lock you into some guilt moment of like, go, 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 boom, 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 boom. You're really messing this up. The point is that I'm trying to get us to actual posture of reflecting, right? When we talk about what are we reflecting on, we're reflecting on the gospel. Want to be wrestling? Why? Why would we reflect on the gospel? Because you're going to forget. I mean, if we're being honest, I just talked about some things, and maybe you saw, you're like, wait, wait, do I see progressive victory of sin? Do I see increased fruit of the Spirit in my life? You're going to forget. You're going to struggle. In fact, it's not just you. The Bible tells us that there's all these forces against us, the patterns of the world, the desires of our flesh, evil, the devils out there all trying, the world, the flesh, the devil, trying to distract us and prevent us from trying to forget. When we went through the book of Judges, we talked about this pattern, right? We forget things. We worship things that aren't God. And in fact, we're, we were not created for that, but that's the choice we made early on. We said, we don't want to follow God. In Genesis 3, we had this option to follow God and see his kingdom come. But instead we said, no, 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 we want to be like God. We wanted to find good and evil for ourselves. And so we chose to do that. And then all through Exodus, you see the same thing, this pattern of like kind of following God, but kind of leaving to do my own thing. I'm going to follow God myself. I'm going to do my own thing, right? And then we get to the book of Judges. Same idea. God's rescued, and he's done all these huge things for Israelites. And they say, ah, but we want to worship these other gods. We want to worship these things. We want to mix this idea of a little bit of God and a little bit of our own thing. We constantly forget. When we say what we're reflecting, we're reflecting on the gospel. Why are we reflecting on it? Because the gospel is everything. (laughs) Everything. And when I say everything, if other things come to mind first, maybe you're missing something, church. I I say that just in love because that's my struggle too. So many days of my life, so many weeks of my life are focused on everything, and that everything doesn't come back to the gospel. 
The pattern of my life isn't thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's what David wants, when David wants it, how David wants it. We're going to forget. We struggle. We want to reflect on the gospel because Jesus calls us to follow him, to be his disciples. So many of us are signing postcards from places we've never been, right? We're pretending like we're being a disciple. We're talking the talk. We're walking the walk. We don't really have a relationship with Jesus. We don't really know him. We can't possibly follow his teaching to teach others to observe all things that Christ has commanded us because we don't really follow him ourselves. We're not a disciple. We need to reflect on these things with this time. Logically, you know you get distracted and you miss out on the things you ought to follow. There's so many things like, right, just take a moment. What is so important to you in your life right now? The love of my family, my relationship with my wife, working out. I'm 2.30 now. I'm supposed to be 2.15. I got I got back in the gym. You know, whatever. Whatever comes to mind, right? A little, little bit of vulnerability there. Mm, whoa. Right? These things come to mind. Hold on. Hold it. What comes to mind? Why are you not taking time to reflect? Well, I have reflected on that. I've got a workout plan for next year. I've got a plan for how I'm going to do my job better. I've got a plan for how I'm a parent better. Why don't we bring those things back to the source of all life? Why don't we start with King Jesus? Because we all have this intuitive pattern to forget, to do our own thing. And so if I get a moment before the year ends, we have got to reflect. We've got to reflect. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 4 says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming... When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I love these verses because if you put them in their context, it's, it's like, okay, you know, Paul's writing to his young protege, Timothy, and he's trying to encourage him on how to shepherd, how to be a elder, how to approach it. But then there's an implication in here above just for, for people like me who are shepherds, elders, there's an implication to all of us. Say, hold on, there's a time coming where people are going to have itching ears and you start thinking about it. You think, hold on. I know that time. That's right now. Like you, you go online, it's like everyone's finding whatever for themselves, right? And it, I, I love doing this because I get to see some of your faces. Pick your favorite frustration, the pandemic, wearing masks, President Trump. Pick your thing, whatever your thing is that you care so much about. Someone has fake news all about it. They've got fake science and you get all frustrated about that. That's not real science. That's not real news. That's stupid. Just, hold on. There's a time coming where everyone's going to have itching ears. How do you know you're not the one with itching ears? You don't like what that person's saying because you want to hear something else. How, are you the one with itching ears? No, it's always them. You're right. You're the only right person. Thank you for being here. I'm glad you're here. Please tell us. Do you want to come preach? You can tell us what's right because you stop. Like, let's be real. The Bible says there's a time coming where they're going to have itching ears. They're going to provide teachers for themselves to puff up what they want. Here we are. Welcome to the world. It's the world we're in. Never ends. Constant cycle. You can look through all through history. We're not special, by the way. It's happened all through history. Find teachers to pursue what they want. Romans 1, we've quoted this several times, says the same thing. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This is our struggle. The reason you need to reflect this week, the 26th through the 1st, you need to reflect because you have this struggle 
If you're anything like me, if you're like all of human history, you have itching ears. You exchange the truth of God for a lie. And if you think you're not this person, I mean, is scripture true? Oh, maybe it is true. Maybe I am. How would we know? You don't know what you don't know. When we say that we want to reflect on the gospel, that's what we're reflecting on. We say, why? Because God told us to, because we're going to forget, because we struggle, because we have itching ears. Because, okay, how? How do we reflect on the gospel? I'm going to get super practical with you guys. I'm going to, this is a, welcome to the last like eight, nine years of my life. Every year, me and, and a couple friends, and it keeps growing to more and more people. But we walk into this same pattern of reflecting every year. A professor of mine taught it to me when I was a much younger guy. Uh, and then Dallas Willard helped really unpack it for me. Um, but it's this whole pattern of vision, intention, means. You can write it as vim, right? I'm actually going to change this because two of these words are uh, impractical. But vision, intention, means, right? Forget that for a little while because we're going to come back to that. But uh, vim, vision, intention, means. Here's the thing. All patterns of change in your life come back to a vision. Philosophically, appropriate knowledge leads to appropriate action. If you believe that that chair is going to turn into a lion right now, then you should have action for it. Oh my gosh, it's going to turn into a lion. Gosh, there's a lion right here. Right? You'd freak out. But we don't actually believe that, so none of us are acting on it. Appropriate knowledge leads to appropriate action. And so, so often we want to have patterns of change without setting the right vision for it whatsoever. In fact, you want to lose weight and be healthy, and you've never once considered if Jesus cares about that. No wonder you fail. Who cares? If it's all about you for being healthy, for being fit, if it's all about you for being a good mother, if it's all about you for being an employee, no wonder it fails. Who cares? If it's just on you, you're weak and frail. You're finite. You know that you struggle. You know you fail. An appropriate vision for change would be anything that brings us back to a king and a kingdom. And so when you approach life this year, when you're reflecting, when we're, how do you reflect? Say, I want, to, I want to follow the gospel. I want everything. I, this is great, Dave. This is great. But Monday's going to come, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, and then 2022, and it's, gonna, it's all done, right? All of a sudden, we're at Christmas next year, and we're doing Advent. It's great. How do you do that? Start with a vision. Pick anything in your life. Say, what is my vision for us, and how does it come back to Scripture? The ultimate vision is repent and believe in the gospel, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's it. That's the ultimate vision. Repent and believe in the gospel. Your mind is wrong. It needs to change. That's repentance, right? You need to believe, put assurance, put faith, put certainty in the gospel. The gospel is the entire story of Scripture. The Bible is one unified story that points to Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to be putting our faith in. We need to repent and believe in the gospel. All patterns of change start with a vision. Uh, nowadays, me and uh, Denver, Nikki, uh, Tim, so many friends of mine, we, we do uh, vision, goals, and actions, right? Um, and so uh, this is, these words are a little more helpful. So often we start with action. We say, uh, you know what? I don't want to be fat anymore, so I'm never going to eat cake again. That's it. I'll just stop eating sugar. I'll just do this fast. I'll just do this diet. I'm keto now. That's it. Poof. We start with the action. That never works because your action isn't measurable by any sort of meaningful goals, but it's certainly not connected to a vision. A vision for myself isn't that I want to have giant biceps like Dan Bailey. He's a popular crossfitter. He's also a Christian. He's really cool. He's got huge arms. He's also like 5'3", so it's pretty easy to get huge when you're short. No offense to short guys. But when you're six foot, I just offended like two people in this room. I'm super sorry. But it's hard when you're tall, right? I'm just kidding. So anyway, like, my vision isn't to have big biceps like Dan Bailey, right? Or Tom Fick. That's not my vision. My vision is I am a better husband and father and man that God has called me to be when I'm healthier. That's simply the fact. 
I'm more depressed, I'm more anxious, I sleep poorly, I'm angry towards my kids, I'm rude to my wife when I'm not healthy. And so if I want to follow the things God's given me, I can only honor him by being healthy. And that doesn't mean I obsess to learn to run a marathon. That doesn't mean that I learn to squat clean 300 plus pounds. That just means that I have an overall trajectory in life of pursuing health, not as an obsession, but because Jesus is Lord, right? Same thing with parenting. I don't become a better parent, so you all think that I'm a great pastor. What a silly vision. I'm a great parent because God's called me to be a parent, right? So when you start with this, you say, hey, I'm going to have a vision and I'm going to set measurable goals and then I'm going to look at my actions. Here are some things I would encourage you to think about. Think about, this is what I do. I make some lists in this realm. What are the physical aspects of my life, the mental aspects of my life, the emotional aspects of my life, the spiritual and the social? Some of those, that, for years, that's what I did. Those have kind of morphed now into tomorrow, uh, probably not tomorrow, more like Tuesday. I'm going to sit and I'm going to be thinking, what are the roles of my life? I'm first a disciple. God has called me to be a disciple. And because I'm a disciple of King Jesus, there is the first commitment that he gave me apart from him that is the rest of my life, and that's to my wife. And so because I'm a disciple of King Jesus, I'm also a husband. And I cannot possibly be a good husband if I'm not being a disciple. All of your married problems are God problems. They're gospel problems. So don't start with trying to fix your marriage. Fix your relationship with God. Because that's where you can know, okay, I'm doing the things the Lord's called me to. I'm surrendering to him. I'm trusting in him. And then we can grow from there, right? So then I can't be a good husband without being a good disciple. But then because God called me a husband, we started doing this thing where we came together intimately. And maybe you know biology, but we have kids now, right? And so now I'm a father. And so say, okay, I can't be a good father unless I'm being a good husband. Parents, please don't try to start by fixing your kids by just fixing your personal behavior. Be a good spouse. Your kids learn more about relationships through how you treat your spouse than anyone else. They learn more about relationships than how they see you pursue the Lord than anything else. Quit saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to stop saying curse words on my kids. Please quit saying curse words on your kids. More importantly, love your spouse in front of your kids. Love the Lord in front of your kids. And so I can't possibly be a good father if I'm not a good husband, right? You see how these roles work? Then after that, uh, I'm a pastor. I don't start each week saying, how can I be a good pastor? What a silly place to start. God called me first to be a father and a husband. And before that, all that, he called me to be a disciple, right? And so I look at those roles in my life and I ask, man, what's the vision of that role? What is the vision of God calling me to be a shepherd? What's the vision of God calling me to be a husband? Just for my happiness? Marriage isn't for your happiness. Marriage is for God's glory. And you find joy when you find his glory. But if you start with your happiness, it's going to fall apart because that puts it all on you. When we reflect, we want to ask these questions of what am I reflecting on? The gospel. Why? Because we're going to forget. Because we're going to start. Because everything comes back to the gospel. How? Here's some thoughts, man. Pick a vision. Look at goals of God. Here's the most important thing you could be doing this week when you reflect. Pray about it. The Bible tells us that he's put his spirit in us to teach us all things, to remind us of the truths of the gospel. I can give all the analogies and push so hard on this, and, and so many of us won't do it. I can't possibly motivate you like some motivational speaker or some motivational book to do these things. What I can tell you is that King Jesus changes everything. And if he is the objective source of truth, of reality, of everything you know, if your very breath this moment and this moment and this moment hinges on the God who created you, then why aren't you taking time to reflect on how you're seeking him? Please, church, people watching at home, just take some time the next week to sit 
and say, man, how, how am I pursuing a king and a kingdom in every part of my life? And whatever God brings to mind through his spirit, maybe it's in your retirement. Maybe it's in being a grandma or grandpa. Maybe it's, I've been in church longer than you've been alive, silly young pastor. Don't you dare talk about reflecting. Fine, don't let me talk to you about it. Read the scriptures, talk to Jesus and say, how should I reflect to you in this season of my life? Because I honestly don't know how as a single grandma, you reflect on how to seek your life in 2022 in Jesus. I have no idea how to do that because I'm not a woman, I'm not a grandma, and I'm not single. But King Jesus does. And it turns out he's the objective source of what it means to be you. So why aren't you doing it? Man, I I could talk about this so long because I've seen such a benefit in my life. We talk so much about this open-handed posture. So often being open-handed is not just physically opening our hands, but so often it's recognizing that we don't have anything to hold on to anyway. These things you're holding on to, right? Your life, your security, you don't have them. They're not yours. At the risk of sounding like I'm just working really hard to get you to this, man, some of you, next year is the last year I get to shepherd you because I'll do your funeral or I'll do the funeral. You don't know. You don't know. And I'll be standing up here and I'll talk about the love that we had for you and the ways that you sought Christ. Don't miss this time. Don't get so busy, so distracted that you think you've got many years ahead or you think you've got no years ahead or it doesn't matter anymore. Stop and ask Jesus. Maybe this vision goals in action, that's really helpful for you. Maybe you just needed to hear the why because you've been missing it. But I encourage you, the pattern of scriptures for humanity to rebel against God and do our own thing. You don't know what you don't know. I don't need to make you say it. You know it. You don't know what you don't know. And how is it possible right now, your entire approach to next week, tomorrow, to an hour from now, next year, what if it's all flawed? Thank God he's put you here right now to hear this message that says, hey, you need to repent. Your mind is wrong. The only way that you could be right is through King Jesus. Let's reflect. That's it. We want to reflect. We're going to talk about reading here for a little bit, and then we're going to move into a time of response. We need to read, right? We're reflecting. What are we reflecting on? The gospel, right? Uh, why are we reflecting on it? Because we're going to forget. We're going to struggle. We get busy, right? Because someone's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. How would I do that, right? We, we need to reflect how we gave some specific thoughts on idea. Look at the roles of your life. Think about vision, goals, and actions, but specifically pray in the spirit for God to help you understand how am I reflecting on the gospel? Mark 1:15. the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. How is that the pattern of my life? How am I seeking the gospel in everything I do? But now we want to read. Read what? Self-help books? A bunch of good thoughts from old dead guys who read the Bible a bunch? Maybe. Here's what I want you to read. Read the Bible. <gasps> Pastor thinks you should read the Bible. E-gods. Right? Come on. Like, read the Bible. Honestly, ask yourself, what percentage of your time went to reading the Bible last year? This isn't a guilt moment. Just think through it. Honest reflection. If there is a God, if he loves you and if he's bigger than you and he's trying to communicate to you, what shot do you have here? You've got the Bible. But let's just say there is a God who loves you. He's trying to communicate to you. Let's say you get that far. Why not read the Bible? What if you're wrong in all of Christian history and all of the Bible is right and God loves you and he wants to redeem you and he wants to talk to you? Wouldn't this be the year worth reading this text to see if, if it's right? Like, come on. It's the best things that have ever been written, the wisest things that have ever been written. Why aren't we reading? So when we say, what are we going to read? We're going to read the Bible. Why? Why do we read the Bible? 
because it's God's word, right? I just covered that. Like, why wouldn't read the Bible? Here, here's the thing. Um, in case I'm laying it on too thick, uh, we're going to watch a video here in a second, maybe to shift the mood. But when we talk about what is the Bible, why we should read it, uh, how we're approaching reading the Bibles uh, uh, throughout this next year as a church, I want us to watch this video and think through, like, what is the Bible? What is the gospel? How does it all connect? And why should we read the Bible? Maybe this is your first time when you watch this video seeing how the Bible is one unified story that points to Jesus. Maybe you've always kind of thought there's the Old Testament and the weird things and some prophets and some strange things. And then the New Testament that tells me about how my sins are forgiven. Hooray! The Bible's one unified story. We're going to watch this video to kind of help us think about what is the Bible, why we should read it, and then we're going to talk more about Mark 1.15. The Bible's an important book, but it's really long. Yeah, it's a collection of many books written over a long period of time, but altogether they tell one unified story. So, what's the story of the Bible? Well, it begins by introducing us to a beautiful mind, the author of all reality, a being called God. And he has the power to take the dark chaos of the uncreated world and bring about order and beauty and a garden full of life. And to crown this accomplishment, God appoints these creatures called humanity. Or in Hebrew, Adam. And they're made as God's image. Which means that they're commissioned to rule this beautiful world on God's behalf by harnessing all of its potential and creating even more beauty and order. This is a story about humans using their power to do meaningful, life-giving work. But the question is, how? Yeah, humanity now faces a choice that's represented by a fruit tree. So humans could partner with God and find freedom by trusting in his knowledge of good and evil. Or they could seize power and define good and evil on their own, which, God warns, will kill them. And they hear the voice of a dark, mysterious creature that tells them the choice is simple. Take the fruit. It'll give you power and freedom to rule the world on your own terms. And so they seize this knowledge, and as a result, they become suspicious and self-protective. It leads to fractured relationships, violent power grabs, and ultimately, a whole civilization, Babylon, that has redefined evil as good. And so, God scatters this corrupted human project. And here the story of the Bible takes an important turn. We zoom in to the story of a man and a woman who come out of Babylon, Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, God promises that from them will come a new people, a nation that has another chance to make the right choice. And if they succeed, it will open up this new way forward for the rest of humanity. And this is why the rest of the Bible story is about this family. And it does not go well. Despite God's personal guidance, Abraham's family gives in to that same temptation to redefine good and evil on their own terms, apart from God. Even when their best people were in charge, rulers who loved God's guidance and had divine wisdom, even they gave in. And so Israel was warned by their own prophets that these choices would lead them back to Babylon, this time as conquered captives living in exile, and that's exactly what happened. So even with God's personal guidance, Israel fails. Who can succeed? Well, the prophet said that the story wasn't over. God's going to send a new leader to Israel to cover for their failures and to transform the people's hearts and minds so that they can make the right choice. And so the part of the Bible called the Old Testament ends, and these promises are left hanging. And then the biblical story continues into the New Testament. We're introduced to a man who comes from the line of Israel's kings, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said that he was bringing all these promises to their completion. He confronted that dark, mysterious evil that all humanity has given into and resisted its power. And then he announced that God had arrived to rule the world through himself. 
Jesus taught about God's definition of good and evil, and he said that real power is serving others. According to Jesus, it's people who love the poor and even love their enemies. These are the kinds of people who actually rule the world. And that's confusing, but also really beautiful. And so is the claim that the story goes on to make about Jesus, that he is God become human, to be for Israel and for all humanity what we could never be for ourselves. He came to take the consequences of our evil into himself, and his sacrificial love proved more powerful than evil than even death itself. So now humanity's presented with a new choice. Represented by a new tree. Stick with the old way of being human, or venture into this new way. And in the story, those who choose the way of Jesus find themselves energized by God's own power. People who know that they are loved and forgiven by God can become people who love and forgive others in return. The Jesus movement quickly spread throughout the world, forming these new communities of people who follow the way of Jesus. But they faced problems. There was persecution from the outside by people in power, and inside there was confusion, even compromise. Yeah, because following Jesus is really hard. And so the movement's leaders, called apostles, they wrote letters to comfort and to challenge these communities to stay faithful to the difficult way of Jesus. And they're called to hope for the day when Jesus will come and change everything. And so the Bible ends by pointing to the future day when all wrongs are made right, when evil is eradicated, heaven and earth are united, and humanity can rule the world together in the love and power of God. Okay, so that's the story of the Bible, and it brings all of these books together. But what's interesting is that each book contains a different kind of literature that contributes to this story in a unique way, and that's what the next video will begin to explore. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is now. It's all fulfilled. Repent and believe in the gospel. Why should we read the Bible? Because we need to repent. Because we need to have a new vision. We need to see the world differently. We've been stained by the world. And, and I want to level. I mean, a lot, a lot of people listening right now are older and wiser than I am. And I thank God for you that God's put you in my life and you get to speak in this. But here's the truth. So many of us, all of us, are susceptible to being deceived, to having that voice in our ear and our heart and our mind to say, it's all about me. It's not about Jesus. It's not about his kingdom come, his will be done. It's about me. This is why we need prayer, scripture, church. It's why God's given us his word to read, to know about him. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life, that they know you and the one that you have sent. Do you know Jesus? Do you, do you actually know the gospel? Do you know his stories? The gospel is although we bring sin and death into the good world God created, the work of Jesus Christ rescues and restores all creation into an eternally right relationship with the Lord, secured by his Holy Spirit, bringing glory to the Lord and ceaseless joy to those who believe, just as he promised in Scripture. We've talked so much about you not knowing what you don't know. <clears throat> Many times we learn things, hacks and things that, that really help. Turns out, I learned yesterday that uh, um, <clears throat> extra virgin olive oil has a higher smoking point or whatever than uh, regular olive oil. So it turns out that when I'm filling our house with smoke, it's because I don't understand what the word extra virgin means. And oil's hard, right? And so like you, you learn these tricks, like, wow, that's going to change everything about how I cook, right? You, you buy a food processor. I haven't yet, but you know, apparently all the chefs have one. It's like, oh, it really changes everything. Why aren't we reading the Bible? 
like the source of, of all good things, the source of what created us to live. If there is a God who created you and loves you, he's trying to communicate to you. Why aren't you listening to him? Or are we just rebelling? Did you know the gospel is actually the whole story of the Bible? Right? Sometimes we miss that in church, say, okay, there's the Old Testament, and then there's the New Testament stuff that we actually get. When Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, and he approached some guys, and he was talking to them, they were saying, like, hey, we're trying to hear about this Messiah, and then it turns out that he's dead. But then he's not dead. He's gone, and we don't know. And Jesus is talking to these guys, and these guys don't know that he's Jesus. In Luke 24, 25, 27, Jesus says this, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All scripture is a unified story that points to Jesus Christ. All of it. Even those annoying parts in Leviticus, even those difficult parts in Judges we read, the worst stories in the Bible that we've wrestled through, they all point to Jesus. When Paul was talking to his young protege, Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, he says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Interesting breath. God breathed into us to animate life. When he gave us, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit means breath, right? Wind, animating life force, ruach. Numa in Greek, right? All scripture is God-breathed. His spirit comes in, gives life to scripture, and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do we see scripture in this way? God is trying to communicate with us. He loves us. He's making all things right for his glory and our joy. Are we listening to him? We talked about reflecting on what we reflect on, the gospel. Why? Because it's everything, right? How? We talked about maybe saying different visions. How do you bring things back? Up? Take anything in your life. Put, put a question mark. How does this thing communicate my king and his kingdom, right? Then we're talking about reading. We're reading the Bible, right? That's what we're reading. Why? Because it's God's word. He's trying to communicate with us. How? Welcome to 2022. Our church is going to be reading together the entire Bible. That's what we're doing. And we've got all these resources, and you're going to hear about them so much from me, from Nikki here in a little bit, from Carrie. We're going to talk about what these resources are. Um, We're going to approach reading the Bible as one unified narrative pointing to Christ, because it is. That's what it is. And because of all these things we mentioned, the Bible being the ultimate source of truth, um, source of life, uh, pointing back to what Jesus said. And so we're going to be reading that. Uh, All next year, we're going to be reading it starting. uh, So this week, as you reflect, read Genesis 1 through 3. Because next Sunday, that's what we're preaching on. Genesis 1 through 3. And then after that, there'll be daily readings. And and we're going to talk about the resource for that. Maybe reading the Bible every day sounds terrifying to you. I promise it's 20 minutes. That's it right? There's an eight minute podcast and 10 minutes of reading every day. That's it. It's going to help you understand what you read. If you get behind, great. You should get behind because it's a daunting thing. Reading every day, you should make mistakes because then you have to realize that you're weak and he's strong and the gospel's bigger than you, right? And God is bigger than you missing reading the Bible one day. And as you get behind, we're going to have resources to catch you up on that because this is all one unified story, right? So wherever you drop in, we're going to see King Jesus and we're going to see how it all connects. And then every Sunday, we're going to be preaching about this. We're going to be talking about it. Uh, there's a slide up here that's got kind of your starter kit, some things to remember. We're going to be going through the Bible recap, right? It's a, it's a one-year plan. Tara Lee Cobble, she's got a podcast every day. It's super helpful. You can find that on uh, Podbean, Apple Podcasts. There's other ways to get it, but you want to see that logo, you want to know it. That's the Bible recap. That starts Saturday, right? Uh, so Friday, Saturday, yeah, January 1, right? Genesis uh, 1 through 3. We're going to be reading that. You want to l- read that and listen to that. The YouVersion Bible app is super helpful. Maybe you guys have seen this logo. It's on your phone. But this YouVersion Bible app, it's got actually a plan for the Bible recap, and it can remind you every day what to read and exactly tell you what to read. It can read it to you. 
You can put it, its voice talking to you, reading to you. Wow. So if you're commuting, it gives you something to read, right? The Bible Project video is super helpful. That video we just watched was a Bible Project video. They care about communicating the Bible's one unified story that points to Jesus. We're going to be using those videos to help us understand things. You miss, you get behind, you completely miss the book of Ruth. Fine. Watch the video on Ruth and then let's just catch up where we're at, right? That's what we're going to use those to help out with. And you can see these resources. I want you to get these in your mind because what's going to happen is evil, your flesh, someone's going to tell you, ah, this is not important. You know, you, you've grown up in church your whole life. You don't even know the Bible. The Bible's fake news. You don't need to read it. I challenge you. There are people a lot smarter than you that have submitted to the Bible. Maybe you should check out, see what it is. If there is a God who loves you, is trying to communicate to you, it's worth taking a year of your life to figure out what he's trying to say, right? And I promise it'll change your life because that's what it says. All scripture is breathed out by God. That's what we're going to be doing next year. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You don't know what you don't know. You need to repent. The word repent means to change your mind, to rethink about the things you think about. So that's what we're trying to do. Maybe right now, as we move into a time of response, you need to just open your hands and reflect right now. Maybe God's already laid things in your heart and say, man, I really don't have a vision for, for my health and how I need to honor God with my body. I don't have a vision for how I'm seeking the Lord as a parent, as a grandparent, as a retiree. I don't have a vision for how I'm whatever. Maybe that's you. You say, I know there's things that I need to change about me, but I can't do it, and I don't want to be apathetic, so I, I need to look to King Jesus. Maybe that's you. Maybe during this response time, you need to pray that the Spirit gives you a passion to read His Word. Because it sounds terrifying, and if you're honest with yourself, you're going to start strong, but come, you know, January 18th, you're probably going to quit because you don't really like things, and you get bored with stuff, and you move on next. Maybe that's you. You seem to pray. That's me. So help me do something every day. I'm not an everyday sort of person, uh, right? We're going to have a time of response here in a minute. Nathan's going to come up. Uh, we're going to sing a song called, all, it says, All Glory Be to Christ, because we want to remember as a church, and we walk into this next year, everything we do is for Christ's glory, right? Uh, we want to remember individually in your marriage and your parenting. That's what we're going to sing together. But before that, we're just going to have a time, play a little bit of music, and just reflect. And I want you to take some time right now in case you, you just refuse to do that this next week. I want to give you a time to reflect and read right now. Maybe God tells you right now, hey, just, just open and read Psalm 119. That's what you need to do right now. <laughs> I don't know. But as the Spirit moves right now, we need to reflect and read. I can't emphasize this enough. Because all of a sudden, the 26th turns into the 1st, and the 1st turns into June 12th, and June 12th turns into the end of next year. And you're just like, how did it happen? And you spent another year not reading the Bible, not seeking his kingdom, not being a disciple. All these things you think you ought to do, you think you ought to do them because the Holy Spirit is in you. And he's pestering you say, hey, you need to follow King Jesus. Quit being duplicitous, right? Church, we're doing this together. We're one body, one faith, one baptism. Seeking King Jesus together as one. So we're reading the Bible together as one, right? So here in a moment, we're going to talk more about those resources and how we get into this. But for now, we're going to have a time to reflect. We're going to have a time to respond, to look to the Lord and say, God, what do I reflect on? How am I seeking your gospel? How am I seeing Jesus as king of all areas of my life? Maybe you need to think about vision, goals, and actions pointing to Christ. Then we're going to worship together. All glory be to Christ. God, I pray that you would guide us during this time. May your spirit move us to what needs to happen. I... There's so many things in my heart that you've, you've convinced and shifted and, and, and grown over the years. And I, I don't want to just God, get everyone really pumped about these things, God. I want, I want, to, I want your spirit to transform us because all truth, all reality comes from you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. 
God, help us to be disciples of Jesus. May your spirit transform us, transform our minds. May we repent and believe in the gospel. I pray that you would guide this time as we respond, sitting here, sitting at home. God, I pray that whoever is among us right now responding, that your spirit would guide us to reflect. You'd grow a desire in us to read your word. May we be able to declare all glory be to Christ the King. See your kingdom come and your will be done. Guide us as we respond right now.